0: From Washington DC, across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence. Powered by the research of Talkers magazine, the national conversation, it's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison.
1: Thank you, Victoria Jones. Monday, December 6th through Friday, December 10th, 2021, a week of concerns about health, wealth, and stealth, as well as time, crime, and slime. We're about to embark upon an hour of Black Belt talk radio, during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. We've got lefties, righties, and fence-sitters. Don't get angry, just maintain a degree of educated skepticism. It's the power-packed weekend radio show featuring opinion yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones and digital recording devices sharing their observations as well as the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do their daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented noisy world where we try to avoid the modern-day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Wrap. Heard coast to coast and around the world on great radio stations. The past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Information is gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication, Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. Fasten your C-Crane CC earbuds. Speaking of which, this installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap is sponsored in part by C-Crane, makers and distributors of great radios. Give a radio to someone for Christmas. Visit their website at ccrane.com or give them a call at 800-522-8863. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Kevin, give us a rundown of the 10 most talked about stories on talk shows in America this past week.
2: Thank you, Michael. At number 10 this week, a tie between remembering December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, and general conversation about the holiday season. This past Tuesday marked the 80th anniversary of the day that President Franklin D. Roosevelt said would live in infamy. Japan launched a surprise attack on the American naval base in Hawaii on December 7th, 1941, killing more than 2,400 Americans, wounding another thousand and destroying much of the nation's naval fleet, and prompting the U.S., to officially enter World War II.
1: And this past Wednesday marked an attack on a large Christmas tree located on New York City's 6th Avenue, right in front of the building housing Fox News. It was reportedly set on fire by a deranged homeless man and seems symbolic of the crime problems besetting the beleaguered Big Apple as we celebrate the second holiday season since the beginning of the pandemic.
2: At number nine, climate change, described as an existential crisis, evidence continues to mount that the weather is changing and not in a good way.
1: On the other hand, every example of bad weather, something we, the residents of Earth, have had to deal with throughout history, is immediately attributed to global warming due to excessive carbon emissions, making it an economic and political issue as well as a scientific one.
2: At number eight, a three-way tie between social media, mental health, and the First Amendment. Psychological studies indicate a connection between social media addiction and growing mental health issues, especially among school children.
1: And, All this is on top of perplexing First Amendment issues being brought to the fore by the rapidly accelerating communications of the digital era.
2: At number seven, abortion legislation. Recent laws passed in Texas and Mississippi banning aspects of abortion now being scrutinized by the Supreme Court could lead to a major reversal of Roe v.ersus Wade.
1: Some 26 states are reportedly standing by with plans to follow Mississippi's lead if the Supreme Court upholds these recent bans.
2: At number six, a three-way tie between voter legislation, race relations, and immigration reform race continues to be a contentious sore spot in the national conversation, largely prompted by the wave of what many describe as restrictive voting laws being put in place by red states across the nation.
1: While little seems to be going on in terms of bills being put before the Senate to protect voting rights on a federal level, also on the race front, the guilty verdict in the Jussie Smollett case, convicting him of falsely reporting a hate crime to advance his acting career this week, has added to the buzz on race heating up the talk shows of America.
2: And Number five, U.S.-China relations. China, as well as Russia, did not take kindly to President Biden's end of the week virtual Summit for Democracy involving some 100 nations from around the world. Neither of America's chief adversaries were included, but were presented as the chief examples of anti-democratic authoritarian rule threatening global freedom. Both also blasted the U.S. for hypocrisy in light of the January 6 attack on the Capitol, with China describing itself as a great democracy.
1: Meantime, China is also miffed over President Biden's decision that no administration officials will be attending the Winter Olympics in Beijing in February in protest of China's human rights abuses.
2: At number four, U.S.-Russia relations. Things with Russia aren't going smoothly either. The
1: mounting fear that Russia is amassing military forces on its border with Ukraine in preparation for an invasion has the world on the edge of its
2: seat. At number three, the January 6th investigation and Donald Trump's influence on the GOP. The connection between former President Donald Trump and the Republican Party going forward is one of intensifying political intrigue as the midterm elections of 2022 draw nearer and the presidential race of 24 looms on the horizon.
1: Meantime, the long-term future of Trump hangs in the balance as the special select committee probing the events of January 6 continues to relentlessly push forward, not to mention other pending investigations and lawsuits that are bedeviling the former president.
2: At number two this week, the supply chain backup, the labor shortage, inflation, and the Build Back Better bill. Economic issues dominate the national conversation, many tied directly to the ongoing pandemic and many connected to unclear causes and controversial remedies. The phenomenon called the Great Resignation or the Big Quit is particularly paradoxical. And at number one, COVID-19 variants, vaccines, mandates and politics. The Omicron variant remains the major topic of conversation as the COVID era grinds on into the winter of 21-22 and its third calendar year.
1: Meantime, a growing number of Americans from both the left and the right are settling into striking a balance between being pro-vax but anti-mandate as an increasing awareness of the nuances of this pandemic rises above simplistic partisan thinking. We can all be thankful for that. Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Let's head out to the beautiful city of Denver, Colorado, and visit with our good friend Mandy Connell, who hosts the daily noon to 3 p.m. show on KOA, the sister station of our affiliate Freedom 93.7 KDFD. Mandy, you are very independent and uh, I know you're conservative, but you don't seem to drink anybody's Kool-Aid. So what's going on in your opinion about um, the struggle between uh, Donald Trump being the de facto leader of the Republican Party uh, and the coming 22 and 24 elections at this point?
0: You know, I think it's been very interesting to watch the candidates try and thread this needle. And trying to figure out how to not alienate the anti-Trump wing of the Republican Party while also bringing in the passionate Trump supporters. I will tell you, Michael, that in my personal sphere, this is one of those anecdotal kind of conversations, Mm -hmm. but within my personal sphere, even my most ardent Trump supporters were very turned off by the events of January 6th. And I think that the support for Trump, though it is still really strong in some places of the country, has definitely waxed for a lot of more moderate Republicans. And they're looking for someone to step up, carry the mantle of his policies without the personality of the cult of Trump. I think that's what whoever can do that really has a good chance of bringing everyone together.
1: If that is the case, and um, there's a lot of evidence indicating that you're right on the money, um, then Trump, if he were to be nominated, which, you know, he still could probably be nominated at this point if he runs uh, for the 24 um, presidential Mm -hmm. nomination, that he might be a a drag on the GOP uh, because of the larger picture of some Republicans' changing their attitude. And of course, those that don't like Trump don't like Trump. Is that um, an accurate assessment?
0: I think so. But I think one of the things that Trump has going for him in that scenario is that Joe Biden is president. Um, If Biden chooses to to run again, and a recent poll that came out this week, I don't know if you saw it, only 22 percent of Americans want Biden to run for a second term. So if that's the case and Biden decides not to run, the Democratic Party is in the same amount of disarray because Kamala Harris is even more unpopular than Joe Biden. Mm. From the Trump perspective, personally, I would like to see a different candidate uh, champion the same policies that Donald Trump had without the baggage, because he still has a significant issue with women. I don't think that's going away. And when we come up to 2024, um, that's still going to be a big deal, unless... Things keep going in the country like they're going now. It's not going well for the Democrats, and that's going to benefit any Republican that is on the ticket.
1: I think that um, basically uh, it seems that uh, perhaps people on both sides of the aisle in terms of voters feel that way, that uh, they'd rather see an election in 24, a growing number. I'm not saying how many, and I'm not making predictions, but a growing number um, on either side would love to see the 24 election be between People other than Donald Trump and Joe Biden, which brings us to another question: What's going on with Kamala Harris? What? what,
0: what? I, I think there's a couple things that work here, and and I think part of it is that um, Kamala, and and I'll say the same for um, Sarah Palin. She was so carefully managed and and so carefully uh, tightly wound as the VP candidate because she was obviously a token pick. I'm just going to say it: Sarah Palin was a token pick. Kamala Harris was a token. Pick and when you make a token pick, you get token uh, uh, performance. I guess is the best way to put it. I think she's in over her head. I think that the president has dumped every difficult problem onto her desk in the hopes of deflecting blame when it comes to things like the border, the voting rights issues, all of those things. But I also think Kamala, just—just she's not a warm person. She doesn't seem relatable to a lot of people, and I think it's just a giant, perfect storm of Kamala or for Kamala that part of it is her fault, for sure, but, but a lot of it isn't. I just think it's a set of circumstances that, that do not put her, probably her best attributes on display. And now everyone in the Biden administration is looking to shove the blame to anyone but him. And we all know how poop flows. It flows right downhill. And mm-hmm. she's right downhill from the president. Uh,
1: you know, uh, other than Dick Cheney uh, with George W. Bush, and I guess if you really go back historically to Richard Nixon with Dwight Eisenhower, the, the, the role of the vice president is peculiar in as much as it really is a, a job uh, where you have to stay Stand in the shadows. You have to boost the president. You can't. You know, God forbid the president's uh, inner circle think that you're ambitious and not loyal. <laughs> that, yeah. that 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 hurts you. And yet you have to be ready to go in the case of a of a crisis or you know uh, you know something that happens to the president. And suddenly you're the commander in chief and the most powerful person in the world. It's it, it's a it's almost like a no win situation at this point.
0: Well, you're basically the understudy for the biggest star on Broadway who never gets sick, right? Right. You have to know all the lines, you have to know all the information, you have to know all the data, you have to sit in the meetings, but no one ever asks your opinion, really. I mean, no one really cares. Mm -hmm. It's a thankless job, and really, let's be real, traditionally I think most VP candidates probably take that job with an eye towards moving to the White House, although traditionally that hasn't always played out. You're better off being in in the Senate if you want to go that political stepping stone game. But I do think that when someone asks you to be vice president, I do think that you kind of get those illusions of grandeur, no matter what party you're in, that, oh my gosh, I'm a heartbeat away from the presidency. And I think that kind of appeal is always going to make people take the job. But yeah, you're essentially a glorified ribbon cutter as the vice president. You're the stand-in guy to go to all the countries that the president doesn't want to visit him or herself. You know, It's, it's just that kind of dynamic. Uh, would I want to be vice president? No. But if I was asked, would I do it? You bet your life. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I mean, exactly. It's one of those things you have to say to your what would I do if I were actually in the shoes oh, of that yeah. person as opposed to you know we're, we're all on the comfort of our couches <laughs>
0: <laughs> not being asked it's very easy to say no
1: yeah absolutely a, an analogy that's apt for a lot of folks listening you mentioned being the Broadway star understudy um being a quarterback understudy being the, 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 the you know with the guy, the guy with the um with the paper clip uh, with the clipboard rather uh <laughs> sitting there and all of a sudden he, he has to know every play every move and may never ever 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 get to play. So um, it's hard. Those are those are difficult roles, and it certainly is is very interesting. Quick um, temperature check of uh, Denver. Uh, two things, the economy and COVID. How are, how are things playing out in your hometown there?
0: Well, in Denver, we've had, um, you know, we have many counties in the metro area in Denver, and our governor, Jerry Polis, who I disagree with on so many issues, has, as of late, been really meticulous about trying to follow the best science on COVID. And he has started to take a much more laissez-faire approach, meaning that he's allowing different uh, districts and different counties to make their own mask rules and things of that nature. I like that because I'm a libertarian. I am a vaccinated libertarian, but I am a libertarian nonetheless. But overall, I got to tell you, Michael, when you get outside of the Denver metro and Boulder, no, Ed, the pandemic is over. Okay, we're we're all done. We're done with the pandemic. You go out to the rural areas. No one is is masking. No one's paying attention anymore. We've all just kind of moved on. Our numbers are going down. It's just you know I, I think everybody's kind of at the point now where we're just over it, especially with this new variant appearing not to be very serious. I feel like most of us are ready to move on and just just get back to some, some sense of normal life. But our economy, like everybody else's, has been hit really hard by the great resignation. We have a lot of people quitting their jobs, you know, trying to start solo entrepreneurship gigs. I have a feeling, and I don't want to be a negative Nelly, but I have a feeling in about six months we're going to see a real bounce back to traditional employment here because people are not going to make it. You know as well as I do, most businesses, not most, but a lot of businesses fail in their first year. So we're kind of in this period of transition right now where people are trying new things, and we'll see if they work. I hope they all work, but right now our labor force is short just like everybody else's.
1: That's Mandy Connell, the noon to 3 p.m. host on radio station KOA, the sister station of our affiliate in Denver, Freedom 93.7 KDFD. Coming up next, the latest news and views about COVID-19, the Omicron variant, and vaccines. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. Hey, fellow radio lover, now that Christmas is rapidly approaching, are you feeling the pressure to come up with a cool gift for that special friend or relative in your life? Especially with all those high tech here today, gone tomorrow gizmos flooding the marketplace? Well, here's a gift idea I bet you never even thought of. Get him a real radio that you chose online from a gigantic selection of radios. C Crane specializes in high quality radios AM, FM, and shortwave radios, big radios and small radios. Radios, high powered radios and battery operated radios, even radios with cranks when no power is available, and radios that can access the Internet. C Crane is the place to go to find a unique holiday gift for that radio lover in your life, and perhaps one for yourself. Call 800 522 8863. That's 800 522 8863, or visit them online at ccrane.com. That's ccrane.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap. Joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada, is our medical correspondent, a nationally syndicated talk show host heard daily on the Genesis Communications Network, in addition to being a widely respected physician, Dr. Dahlia Wax. What's the latest? We, we spoke last week and you gave us a really good update on the, uh, on the new uh, Omicron uh, virus. Now, where are we this week?
3: Well, a lot of people found some reassurance that Dr. Fauci had said that Omicron thus far is looking a little bit more mild. Now, we do have four states reporting increase in hospitalizations, and so we are a little bit concerned about what's happening in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania and Indiana, but in terms of the COVID Omicron variant, we aren't seeing a lot of hospitalizations yet. The problem is, is it's going to take time to see if these hospitalizations are Delta run or Omicron run. But right now, it's looking like Omicron has a piece of a cold virus, like a regular coronavirus, that makes it more infectious, but less deadly.
1: But uh, generally, you are hearing that it is um, less of a um, um, uh, a difficult disease to deal with than uh, the, the, the Delta or the original COVID-19.
3: Exactly. So far, what we're hearing from public officials is it appears to be less deadly. Now, that being said, in South Africa and neighboring countries, they're saying hospitalizations are up that would imply that whatever variant they're tackling is a more serious one. But sadly, there's so many other factors in terms of people worried about travel bans and worried about knee-jerk reflexes. So I don't know if we're going to get the whole story from countries who think they've been kind of wronged by coming forward with the Omicron variant. But with Fauci telling us, you know, that here in America, it's still looking mild, and most of the people who have gotten it have been vaccinated, reporting mild illness, that's a good sign so i'm being optimistic
1: so let's focus on the relationship between the the various vaccines and omicron uh, is um it, it, have, have they figured out yet you know which vaccines work or don't work or the boosters or extra doses what's the story on vaccines and Great o- omicron
3: Fantastic question. Yeah. So sadly, most of our data comes from the people that create the vaccine. So Pfizer came out saying, yes, the two-shot series might not stop you from getting Omicron, but they do believe that getting a booster will increase your antibody levels by 25-fold, which can still prevent serious disease. And I believe them. I believe that the Omicron infection, you know, might be a... Uh, uh, be a casualty to a boost your immune system. A South African study shows a 40 times less Pfizer-triggered antibodies against Omicron infection, meaning the, the two shots weren't as effective. But these boosters up our immune system and maybe we will be able to attack flu or cold or other things we just don't have enough studies so i think the booster will help but they're also being very careful to let people think that the current shots will work 100
1: so so is it possible that uh, one of the reasons that um, there's a higher level of um, hospitalizations overseas than in the u.s is simply because they may not have as many people vaccinated in those places
3: Absolutely. That's what I think because I'm noticing more mild illness in those who have been vaccinated. But interestingly, when we do see quote unquote COVID hospitalizations, not very easily apparent is how many of them are also in addition to flu or in addition to pneumonia. The CDC does have a table with a breakdown, but it's very hard to find. So when somebody says there's a COVID hospitalization, my question is, is there anything else with it? Is there also pneumonias there also flu? So if we don't get that data, you know, we assume it's just a pure Omicron COVID infection and that might not be the case.
1: You said earlier, uh, sadly, I think that was the word you used. Uh, you know, this is spontaneous, so I may have misheard mm-hmm. you, but you said sadly, most of the information we have about the vaccines are provided by the people who make them. Um, if you said that, why sadly? What, what What is the problem there?
3: So it's interesting. As a medical student and as a, as a resident in our training, we are, you know, beat up figuratively. If we produce a study, to our journal club or to other providers that, was written by somebody with a conflicting interest. And so we in medicine have learned that if there is a study, you have to really take it with a grain of salt if somebody has a financial interest in the study. So studies coming from manufacturers of drugs do not hold as much worth as an independent study going, wow, we've seen this, we've seen this. So when Pfizer comes out saying, hey guys, look, our boosters work, you know, some people might think that there's some secondary gain, like they're able to sell the shot. And so I say sadly, because some data might be misinterpreted. It could be good data, but unless it's an independent resource, we can't take it at a hundred percent because we just don't know if there's other secondary gain. I'm a big fan of Pfizer, but a lot of people won't listen to a study that comes from the people who have something to gain from selling their product
1: well that makes sense uh you know we everybody was angry at big pharma going into this uh pandemic but then we started to look at them as these great saviors Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe we've given them too much credit um and missed uh you know and 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 have forgotten that they're just another commercial entity out there selling their stuff. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like mm-hmm. back in my radio days when we used to play records on the radio. The, the The companies that would give you all this positive information about how big a hit these songs were were the record companies themselves, or or right. book publishers telling you you should interview an author because the books are selling so well. Uh, you know, you got to see from where the information comes. Exactly. What about the idea that um, the Omicron virus? could somehow be the cure to the pandemic that we've been waiting for because um, it's helping with the immune system and it's not that deadly. Um, What's your take on
3: that? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So some of the studies that have come out throughout the pandemic is the combo of natural immunity and artificial immunity, artificial immunity from the vaccines, natural immunity from convalescing or being exposed to actual virus. And so there is a big now rush of people trying to get Omicron, because if this is the first time Dr. Fauci or a public official has said, hey, this looks mild. People think it gives them the opportunity to finally get some natural immunity. Many people that have been vaccine hesitant aren't anti-vaccine. It's just they have grown up with the notion, which is very valid, that you want to have natural immunity because you can't replicate something in a lab. So Omicron might be the answer for all of us who want natural immunity. I tell people though to hold your horses. Do not try to get any sort of virus on purpose because we still don't understand the links of this. And to put Put people at ease most likely you've been exposed to omicron because i think omicron has been around for weeks in this country so there's a chance you might have some natural immunity if you've been vaccinated out and about without your mask there's a good chance that you have gotten exposed to the virus so no need to purposefully try to get exposed
1: do you think that at home tests hurt or help the pandemic um what's your thought about that i've heard some, some discussion about that
3: Great, great. And yeah, and as you point out, you know, Jen Psaki brought it up yesterday in the, in the, in the press briefing. Home, um, COVID tests are going to be the next discussion. Although I really think it should be N95 respirators. I think the government should have bought those for people early on. But there's been some calls that the Biden administration give everybody some home test kits. The problem with that is, You know, many people who don't want anybody to know they have COVID or don't want to isolate could take the test incorrectly. They could take the test and go, oops. Mm. And sadly, many people won't show positive until days into the illness. So if you have diarrhea and you go and you test day one, You might not be able to pick it up in the nose because it's too early. So I think home tests are fantastic if people want them. But for those people who don't want them and are not going to be very ethical and very upfront, they could lie. And we still don't know that you can't trace these because they aren't through the government.
1: Do kids have to have the kids have to have their parents consent, right, to to get a covid vaccine? Uh, Should they be able to get it without?
3: Good. That's the, yeah. There was a lot of, I guess, criticism over a school in L.A. County that gave flu sh- gave COVID shots for pizza, and um, the nurse allegedly told the students, "Don't say anything." And the kid came home with a Pfizer card and or a, a card with a vaccine on it, and the mom, of course, went straight to the news. It was reported in Newsweek, and there was a study published in JAMA Pediatrics saying, "Look." If parents don't want to give their kids a vaccine, these kids are old enough to make a decision on their own. I'm a little hesitant on that because I think the average 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 14-year-old might not understand informed consent and could be goaded to s- by somebody who is a superior to them that I don't think it would be complete informed consent. So I am not prepared for kids to consent on their own. That being said, there is going to be that discussion. If a child wants to be vaccinated and their parents are hesitant, does that child have a choice? So it's gonna be an interesting conversation that might even make it to the courts one day.
1: That's nationally syndicated radio talk show host and respected physician, Dr. Dahlia Wax of the Genesis Communications Network. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. Joining us now is the morning host at and owner of our affiliate in Albany, New York, Talk 1300, Paul Vandenberg. I asked Paul how the new governor, Kathy Hochul, is doing on the COVID and economic fronts.
4: You know, one of the things I'm finding with COVID here, Mike, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the country, but even when I bring it up in the morning on my show, people will, are quick to say they've had it with COVID. We've had it. OK, and they don't want people even suggesting, as has been suggested here in New York, that they may have to go back to wearing a mask or, or anything. that day. They don't want to hear about the restrictions. And she has been kind of sort of embracing the concept of potential restrictions coming up. So she has not done a very good job. She's going to be primary, plus she's going to have a Republican, probably Lee Zeldin, who's going to run against her. So she's got a tough road in the next nine months.
1: Do you think that the disgust people have that, you know, that they just burned out with dealing with COVID at this point is less of a political issue, even though you're talking about her from a political perspective, you know, six months right. ago, a year ago, COVID was left, right, Democrats, Republicans. It was pretty clear right. along party lines. My impression nationally is that, um, you know, even Biden doesn't want to go down the mandate road. <laughs> you know yes, uh, that that yes, there's a yes. that there's a tiredness of it on all sides of the aisle. Yes. What do you think?
4: I and by the way, I agree with you on that part about Biden too. He he kind of walks slowly now. They keep bringing it up because I think the left wants to continue to try to use it. You know, it's it's been my contention from the start that a lot of this COVID stuff has to do with mail-in balloting. But I'll get back to that in a minute. The COVID, I think people now, Mike, have heard all they need are are a a large percentage of what they need to hear about what it does. Here in this area, you know, we have a major health institution, Albany Medical Center, and we're fortunate enough to to deal with the, the leadership over there on a fairly regular basis. And we always talk about the number of patients, who's in, who's on a ventilator, who isn't. And it seems as though, certainly in the last 90 days, 90 percent, and my, my percentage may be high, if so, I apologize, of the people that are in the hospital are people that haven't, haven't been vaccinated. And it's also quite clear that less people are dying. And the ones that are dying are the ones that we were told from the beginning have elderly and pre-exist, are elderly and they have existing conditions. I think people understand now what COVID is, what they need to do to ensure that they don't get it, and what to do if they do get it. They understand it. And they're getting tired. And I agree with you. I say, and I agree with my listeners. Everybody's getting a little bit tired of this. We understand what it is. Let us get on with our lives.
1: In conclusion, you're um, an owner of a radio station as well as a host. You have a double perspective, and you really have your finger on the pulse of the local business community in the capital region of uh, the Empire State. What's your feeling about the economy right now, uh, dealing with uh, small businesses that, that you do a regular you know, uh, connection with uh, in your position?
4: The biggest issue with the economy, Mike, is employment. The, the The companies in this area, and and listen, you've done this, I've done this. You're dealing with clients every day. And at the end of my conversation with them when they're promoting something, they want me to make sure that I do certain commercials for them on the air. When every single one of them gets done, they say, and Paul, by the way, would you do a little recruitment recoup- spot in there for you? We really need help. The biggest issue with the economy in this area, Mike, is in parts of it, it's stagnated because people are in desperate need of employees. They really need help. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a healthcare gentleman here for the elderly, eight people in their 80s and 90s. You provide them with caregivers, okay? He's having a hard time. He's got more people in their 80s and 90s that need a caregiver, but he doesn't have enough caregivers. That's when you're in a dangerous situation.
1: In conclusion, what is your personal um, reason? What do you think is the the reason for there being uh, this shortage of workers?
4: It's a great question. It really is. Uh, because the, the incentives are gone now from the unemployment, etc. And it seems to me as though most people I know already have a job. So as far as, you know, we may be in a position right now, God, do we have too many jobs for the people that live up here? I don't know. It's a very good question to ask. And I know that um, most of the operations I know are in need of help. So it's it's I'm kind of in limbo there as to what it is. Everybody seems to be paying a lot enough money now. Most people are paying at least $15 an hour for part-time work. And they're still having trouble finding people.
1: That's Paul Vandenberg, the morning host at and owner of our affiliate in Albany, New York, Talk 1300. Coming up next, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap.
5: This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, G2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public.
3: G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis.
5: In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit genesis2project.com.
1: Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap as we discuss the hottest topics of the past week in the national conversation. We caught up with talk show host and radio station owner Scott Hennon of our Fargo, North Dakota affiliate WZFG, The Flag, who is on a promotional tour of the Big Apple that included a visit to Fox.
6: Well, we have the great honor of having a vast audience in North and South Dakota, and Minnesota, and we started this tradition about, I don't know, a dozen years or so ago. My wife and I love New York City, and uh, she loves putting together the different tour every year, and so we bring listeners, uh, some are repeat, but most are new listeners every year that maybe haven't ventured into New York city. We've also done Alaska and uh, Hawaii for Pearl Harbor and uh, several trips to Norway. So it's just great fun. And we're in the New York city. This is like our 10th annual in uh, New York city. And, uh, we always get a special treat, go to Fox and friends and see the crew there. And, and, uh, we were on the, with uh, Janice Dean today doing the weather and Jimmy failed stopped by and Brian Kilmeade came out. So it's uh, it's great fun just to be among our listeners. You know, it's just, it's uh, fun to travel together and, uh, share stories with them and you know as well as anybody, Michael, what an intimate medium uh, radio is. They all feel like they're your best friend, you know, so it's uh a, it's a lot of fun, and we really enjoy
1: it. so so at this moment, you're on the Staten Island ferry. The Staten Island Ferry is an amazing experience. It gives you a, a tremendous view of um the Statue of Liberty and uh, you know the New York skyline, which is constantly changing. The view of the skyline now is just very, very twenty first century, to say the least. Is it chilly on the boat? Is, is it what's it like out there?
6: Yeah, you know I'm one thing I'm amazed is that I'm wearing a North Dakota hockey hat. Uh, just so our, our our tour group can uh, recognize us. And uh, so a lot of people say, oh, North Dakota is cold. I'm saying it's colder in New York City. Uh, our 30 degrees and 30 degrees in New York City are vastly different because, you know, of course, we're on an island surrounded by water. So you can feel in your bones here it's that moist cold and it really kind of goes right through you. So honestly, it is actually warmer in uh, North Dakota. Maybe 30 above here is like our 30 below.
1: How interesting.
6: But, uh, <laughs> it's a little chilly here, but we're making do. We're a hearty uh, hearty bunch of folks from the heartland.
1: Have you ever been to Ellis Island or uh, or are there a bunch of people on this tour that haven't been? Because that's got to be fascinating.
6: Yeah, there. You know, we've been uh, to Ellis Island a number of times because we bring groups, of course. And mm-hmm. We do things different every time where we'll go to Statue of Liberty sometimes and walk up to the Crown. That's closed now, but I have been to Ellis Island, but most of the group is not. So it's it's really fun. We've got them all set up to research family members and, uh, find out a little bit about their journey and when they came over. And, uh, it's, it's really fun. My wife has found, uh, you know, the manifest with, uh, her, um, uh, grandparents and their, their trip over here. So that, that's, you know, to retrace history and think about people, uh, you know, uh, from 1880 on, uh, coming here and seeing this great gift from France, the Statue of Liberty and coming to the United States is, uh, it's pretty spectacular, that's for sure.
1: Coming to New York on a regular basis gives you kind of a snapshot of the evolution of the city. I haven't been to the city, to New York, in about two years, since, since right before the pandemic. Um, how different does the city seem to you, uh, viewing it from that perspective, uh, because of the pandemic and all the things New York's been through?
6: Yeah, I was amazed, Michael, how many stores that serve tourists uh, are just not here anymore. A lot of restaurants. A lot of the more retail places that have survived on tourism are just you're boarded up. They're not here. And if you talk to, uh, you know, we did at Stardust Diner last night before we uh, uh, took our uh, tour. We went out on a cruise line, circle line tour around the whole Manhattan Island, which is great at night, by the way. I highly recommend that tour. It's so fun. you got a great tour guide, and he's telling you everything that's happening. Mm. Um, but we were at Stardust Diner, and that's kind of a fun little spot where up-and-coming Broadway stars are waiters, but then they also sing, Right. and uh, they're, all, they're all, so it's a lot of fun, but anyway, they were saying like they've just opened up in the last couple of weeks, you know, and it and got back going, so a lot of things are just now getting going, and um, the crowds are not nearly as big as they normally are, but it is, um, you know, exciting to see the look in the eyes of people who survive on tourism to say, gosh, people are back again, so it's definitely different. It is uh, no doubt about it, not the New York City it once was, just from the crowds and the hustle and the bustle especially at christmas time but it's coming back
1: how are you guys dealing with all the mandates in new york with masks and vaccines and and all of that stuff
6: yeah you know different from home in that we don't have vaccine passports we don't have vaccine cards required as uh, as the you know a, a requirement for entry into restaurants and hotels and they do here they uh, most restaurants want to see your vaccine card and they want to see an id uh, to go with it and uh, we don't have much of that uh, in the Midwest at all, in fact, they, you pretty much wouldn't even know there's a pandemic anymore. You know, here there's you know, a fair amount of places inside that will have you wear a mask. Not not every place I've noticed it does that. Uh, but Broadway shows and the restaurants, for the most part, want the vaccine cards and want an ID to make sure it's you. I have a daughter in San Francisco. We were visiting her recently. Interestingly enough, they don't match up the ID. So you pull out a, you know, shattered, a little tattered piece of paper and uh, show it to them and they let you in. They're not exactly watching too close, but they're a little more... A little more diligent about it here in New York City.
1: I would imagine most of your listeners, as I know your background, are against mandates and and that type of thing. How are they taking to it? Are they are they cooperating or are they resentful?
6: Well, uh, we have advertised this particular tour as you know you needed to be uh, vaccinated to be able to come along. So it's just a product that of, uh, of it is. Most of them that travels with fifty uh, five plus, so most of them obviously have got it. And you know, one thing that I think um, is a strain of a conservative talk show audience. is not so much, uh, hey, I don't want to be vaccinated. It's, you know, I don't want to be told to be vaccinated. We have a great uh, example of that in North Dakota where we have a governor that's been basically pleading from the beginning for people to get vaccinated. And we have uh, among the lowest vaccinated rates in the country because a Midwestern audience doesn't like to be told what to do. Now, South Dakota has been a different touch. Uh, Kristi Noem down there has got her Department of Health just presenting facts and well, she's been vaccinated. She doesn't exactly run around saying, uh, hey, you must be vaccinated. And guess what? They have a higher vaccination rate. So I think it's just a it's a case of a, don't don't tell me what to do. Let me decide with my doctor what the best thing is for me. It's how I decided, honestly. Uh, uh, you know, I went to my doctor and he said, you're not quite 60, Scott. But all these variants, we don't know much. So you uh, think it'd be a good idea. My family, my wife's a health care worker, so she's been vaccinated. The kids, amazing. I don't know how you see it, but the younger you are, it seems uh, the more uh, sort of uh, go along to get along and hey I'm just going to get the vaccine even though uh, obviously risk and benefit the younger you are is certainly different but uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty amazed to, um, uh, to see that yeah, it's, it's just a, a strain I appreciate in our audience that you know they, they don't want mandates they don't want to be told they don't want to be have the finger wagged at them they want to just be able to make that decision with their doctor and that's the way it should be
1: in my mind. Yeah, I agree with that and uh, I've been very open about it. Um, I'm actually pro-vaccine, but I'm I'm not thrilled about the government telling you what to do with your own body and I'm glad that uh, now at this phase in the pandemic era, that's becoming clearer. It was so politicized earlier that uh, it was all black and white cardboard, you know, cardboard cutout um, thinking and I'm, I'm glad it's a little bit more nuanced now. I'm not going to keep you long. It sounds like it's getting crazy there. Real quickly, what was your impression of the, the burnt Christmas Tree and that whole that whole scene since you were at Fox,
6: it was kind of the story of the trip so far because we had driven by Fox the first night we were here doing a little tour, to get people acclimated with the island, and uh, so we uh, we came by the tree and then of course we get back to our hotel and we hear that it's on fire and uh, getting oh. text. It was uh, it, wait, we were erecting the new one already.
1: Can you hear me, Scott? Some
6: guy is Yeah, some guy at Ellis Island is barking at me to wear a mask. So there you go. There's a little live. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. I don't wear a mask when I'm talking on the radio, because I want you to be able to hear me without being muffled, so I just step back. Uh, the, the Christmas tree, the biggest story, uh, uh, just for chatter among folks and also from our listeners back home, sending out emails and, and uh, comments like, what happened? We had actually driven by uh, the night before on our tour, uh, saw the big, beautiful tree, got to our hotel rooms, and of course, uh, the you know social media is blowing up with pictures of the tree on fire. Uh, they've already replaced it and, uh, and got a new one back up and are happy to... Uh, I guess, uh, have that in the rearview mirror. when I, We were on Fox & Friends this morning with Janice Dean and uh, Jimmy Fela and Brian Kilmeade, and it was very clear that they didn't want to talk about uh, the tree. Uh, I assume trying to downplay it a little bit, but when we did bring it up and tell them, hey, don't burn Christmas trees in North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota, just so you know, this is uh, kind of an odd uh, situation, um, they made it known that uh, that was in the rearview mirror and a new one was going up. So uh, that was uh, their All-American Christmases. Living to fight another day, Michael.
1: That's talk show host and radio station owner Scott Hennan of our Fargo North Dakota affiliate WZFG The Flag on a station promotional trip to the Big Apple. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison wrap. Well, here we are, the second weekend in December. Christmas is coming quickly, and those filthy stinking scammers are out there doing their dirty deeds in what seems like record-breaking numbers. Joining us now is one of the nation's leading scam busters. He's a law professor at Boston's Bentley University and the founder of Scamaside.com com Steve Wiseman last week we kicked off a two-part series the 12 scams of Christmas working our way from number one to number six this week we pick up with number seven
7: charity scams uh, this is the uh, the time for for charities pull pol- particularly uh, police and firefighters. They will contact you locally. And, you know, you never know when you are contacted uh, by a charity whether it's legitimate or not. If you're on the federal do-not-call list, there is an exception for charities to be able to call you. So what you do is you can't trust your your phone because uh, with something called spoofing, the uh, uh, caller ID can be tricked to make it look like it's coming from a legitimate charity or an email or whatever. If you're interested in a charity, and someone contacts you, um, what you do is you say thank you, and then you go to a website called charitynavigator.org. You go there, you put in the name of the charity, and it'll tell you two things that are really important. One is, if it is a legit charity. The second is, even if it's a so-called legit charity, that is something where it may also tell you how much of the money that it collects go towards its charitable purposes and how much towards their salaries and administrative cost so it's a it's a great
1: place to go let's go on to the next one
7: puppies the, you know since the uh, coronavirus has been uh, with us so many people have been buying dogs and other pets online, and they think they 're taking uh, proper precautions, but you just you don 't know if you 're going to be getting anything frankly you 're always better dealing with someone local when it comes to that and the scammers will uh, they 'll put a picture up that they 've gotten somewhere else, uh, and uh, they sell you this this dog, then they ask you for additional payments for a special crate. The thing you should do is, first of all, go to uh, websites like TinEye.com. You'll get that photo. Put it up on TinEye, and uh, you will see whether that photo has appeared somewhere else. You know, quite frankly, when it comes to buying a pet, you should get a vet report on any animal before you consider buying it and going locally. So uh, that's one that you definitely want to be
1: careful with. I'm starting uh, to really hate humanity as I'm listening to this, but Go on. <laughs>
7: Well, there is a segment of, and I won't even call them, I will call them inhumanity.
1: Indeed.
0: Next.
7: You know, there, there, there are pyramid schemes that still come with us that they come by different names. And one that turns up in the uh, holiday season each year is the secret sister scam or the secret sister gift exchange. And what this does is it gives you a list of six people. You're told to send a gift worth at least $10 to the first person on the list. Remove that person's name. Add your name at the at the bottom. In theory, you're going to receive 36 gifts for your small contribution of ten dollars. Right. Frankly, it's an illegal chain letter, and uh, it violates federal law. So these things are always illegal. They're always a bad thing to do.
1: I remember that before the internet, the chain letter, you know, and, and oh everybody, yeah. and everybody Huge. had scorned for them. Tell me more.
7: Uh, holiday job scams you know there's a lot of temporary jobs out there and uh, some of the scammers will pose as uh, retailers uh, offering often even work at home jobs uh, what they they do it in a couple of ways one is they as an employer they're going to be asking for your social security number you know you're going to process your income tax withholding and you end up becoming a victim of identity theft or they send you a check for more than you're actually owed and they ask you to deposit that and wire the money back to them. Of course, the check is counterfeit, but the money you wire back from your bank account comes right out of your bank account, and you're, you're out, of, out of luck. The big thing to do as far as a company goes, confirm the company is a real company, and then contact the HR department of that real company to make sure it, it, uh, they are legit and the offer is legit. Next. Free gift cards. I've been seeing a lot of these and you know the, the old is no free lunch. Well, there are no free gift cards. You get this free gift card and it's usually worth as much as $200. All you have to do is fill out this, uh, survey. Well, there is no free gift card. You're not getting $200 and the information that you provide is going to make you a victim of identity theft.
1: Okay, I think that was 11. Uh, Let's round it off with number 12, the 12 scams of Christmas.
7: Uh, Holiday traveling scams. There are people that will be traveling during the holiday season, and the, the scammers are taking advantage of people with emails, robocalls, text messages, great deals on car rentals, hotel rooms, airline
1: tickets. That's Bentley University law professor and founder of ScamAside.com, a true hero, Steve Wiseman, talking about the 12 scams of Christmas. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap. An overview of the National Conversation, looking back at the week of Monday, December 6th through Friday, December 10th, 2021. Looking ahead, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever-lurking unknown factor. That unanticipated surprise story that can take the National Conversation spinning off in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. I can be reached via email at talkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Wrap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening.
5: The Michael Harrison Wrap is a production of Good Phone Communications in conjunction with Talkers Magazine and Talk Media Network. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.